What's going on? What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of the Successes Within Reach podcast, season three, episode 18. Your vote, your voice, your future. I'm going to give that to you one more time. Your vote, your voice, your future. We are joined here by a very special guest once again. You saw him in season two. Uh, this gentleman is a consultant with expertise in the political arena and strategy. Um, he's a 2012 Obama administration alum. He's worked on Capitol Hill. Um, he's a senior advisor for the Woke Vote organization. And I have to give him a very special shout out because he actually had the most listened to, streamed, and downloaded episode of season two. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Emil Washington. How you doing, sir? Good, man. Thank you once again for, for having me. Uh, it was streamed because of you, man. Like, it's it's the person that's asking the questions. I'm just facilitating answers. Hey, man, it, it was an absolutely amazing episode. You know, great wealth of information that I feel like we needed to get out to the masses. I had to ask you to be on once again, especially with everything going on in the world today. All right. So before we get started, I want to remind everybody, uh, you can always join in the conversation live. Submit your questions and comments at www.facebook.com slash SIWR podcast. One more time, you can join in the conversation live and submit your questions and comments at www.facebook.com slash SIWR podcast. So for those who may be uh, new to the show, tell them a little bit about yourself and how you ventured into the political arena. Um, so thank you again uh, for, for having me on here. I am a Louisiana native, um, born and raised uh, originally from New Orleans. Parents live in Slidell, went to LSU for undergrad where, you know, I met your wonderful wife. Um, so shout out to Lakia, who is our connector and having here. And I definitely recognize that that ring in the intro. Um, so well done to, to you. Um, Appreciate that. So I actually, I would say my start in, in all of this actually came through church, honestly. Um, my dad uh, is a retired pastor in the Amy Church, and the Amy Church has always been very politically um, engaged, savvy, um, and understanding that the value of uh, there is no real separation of church and state, right, and, and how to mix those two things up, but also just the politics inside of the church and um, being um, a PK and seeing all of that just kind of fueled. And then um, for some reason, political uh, science and um, American history and, and civics and all of that came really natural and easy to me. Um, it wasn't what I thought I was going to do. I thought I was going to school to be a lawyer and then go be an agent um, and be in that world and go make some money. And then, you know, life happens, God happens, and you just follow the path. And so um, I was created or given opportunities to go into different spaces and working in state and local government, um, starting off in Louisiana for the 
um, the governor at that time, Kathleen Blanco. And then I did work in um, Arkansas before I moved to DC and got my taste on the Hill, um, understanding how all of that stuff actually works, then getting that, that campaign experience. So I've been able to run the, run the gambit and now I'm sitting on the other side kind of advising, um, which is a much easier life, I will say. <laughs> you just get to get to think and use your juices and your network and, and your brain and not having to to be out there. It's um it's a lot. It's a lot. But mm-hmm. I, I'm grateful uh for the space that I, I occupy and the and the people that I um am able to work with and be in the trenches with. That's awesome, man. Like it's it's always uh a great thing when you hear people say, you know, I thought I was gonna go one direction, but you know, life brought me here, God brought me here. And then it's to see them thrive, you know, in something that they didn't even have on their radar. Like, I, I just think that's awesome and how life works sometimes like that. Yeah, you gotta be open for that change, right? Like there's uh, a lot of people who are um, very uh, stuck on what they believe their plan is. And if you are one who believes in God, he will always show you your plan is it's cute. <laughs> but his will always win out. And so, you know, the easier you are to amenable changes, the easier your life will be. Most definitely. Can't, I 1000% agree with that one. All right. So first things first, um, because I, I want to start out with this question because people, I guess it's, it's kind of like the American way. Whenever things don't go the way we, we feel it should, people just jump on the president. They jump on the president. It's the president's fault, this president's fault, that. And I don't think a lot of people really understand the authoritative differences between what the president can do versus the Senate or the House or whatnot. So can you kind of break that down for them again? Um, you know, what the scope of the House, the Senate, and the president? Well, let me ask this. Is there a particular issue people are are blaming on this president, a past president, or just in general? Well, I was just saying in general. Yeah, I mean, so we have to go back to the the basics, right, of of civics and understand that there are three branches of government to ensure that no one branch has rule or dominion over the other, right? So, like, the legislative branch is their job is to create laws or ensure that bad laws actually are not created, right? Their job is to deal with taxes, revenue. They also are the only ones that can declare war and allow us to go into war. Um, And then you have the judicial system who essentially enforces the laws, right? The court system holds up what the laws are on the books. They do not, they are not supposed to create laws, right? Like, um, you know, we had you had an interview uh, recently from uh, Vice President Harris where she said that this was a, a radical court. And I don't know if people fully are activist court, excuse me. And I don't know if people fully understood what she was saying in that, meaning that the court is supposed to interpret what the laws are on the book and how they stand for what the situation is today based off the Constitution and how the country is going. It is not supposed to take their one's personal views into that, right? Like you are supposed to not be someone who has an opinion. You are just a figment of that body. Um, and that's what the judicial system is. And then you have the executive branch. The executive branch, which is just like on the state level, the executor, um, so that would be the governor or the president. Their job is to kind of hold order. Now, 
they do have some powers where they could um, create executive orders if you know things are not going the way that they feel or need. And those are typically um, very uh, seldom, except for in this past administration, not the current administration, where a lot of executive orders are were done. But the executive branch is one where they're the head of the branch and the head of the state, but it is not their job to to carry out and maintain order, right? Like that is why you have the, the different divisions there. Um, if you want to look at it in the sense of a band, they are the drum major, right? Like they are, mm -hmm. are, are leading the troops. They're not even like the band director because they are a part of the whole process. And we have to look at them in the order and the isolation of what they're supposed to be. And so mm -hmm. the president actually cannot create laws, right? Like the president cannot create a budget for the for the country. So every year, a lot of this is pomp and circumstances when you're talking about and waiting for the president to reveal his budget or her budget. They can't. They're just suggesting things that they would like for the country to spend the money on. At the end of the day, Congress is the only body that has control of the purse. And and that's the way it's it's written into the Constitution. Mm -hmm. And I I'm, I love the way that you explain that, because, like I said, so many people, I feel like it, it happens with every single term. You know, they're like, why doesn't the president do this? Why doesn't the president do that? And I don't think people fully grasp, you know, that they can only suggest, you know, <laughs> but so many things without ha having to go through Congress, like the, the power is limited. It's it's very limited on purpose, right? We're not, we are doing our best to avoid a dictatorship, right? Like mm -hmm. we are supposed to be a, de a representative democracy. And, and in that <clears throat> having ensured that every voice is heard um, on every level, which is why you have, you know, even the different chambers in Congress, right? The U.S. representatives and the Senate to ensure that one, no one particular person, no one particular group, no one particular body can have dominion over the whole country. And so it is essential for us to have the separation of powers. It just, over the last couple of years, it hasn't looked like much of a separation because things have become so partisan and so emotional. Mm -hmm. So in society, you have a lot of people that mainly pay attention to the presidential election. But we know this year we have uh, what's called midterm elections. Can you um, share with the audience just how important midterm elections are um, and, you know, why in some cases it can even be more important than your presidential elections? It's like when you was in school, that midterm test will make or break you, right? Like, and if you don't mm -hmm. study for that midterm test, it will set you up for trying to overcompensate for your final, which would, which is what people consider the presidential. And when you see most people vote, but I, mm -hmm. I pulled the numbers cause I wanted to make sure I had them very, all of them for you this year on November 8th, there will be 435 us house seats up for reelection. There'll be, 34 Senate seats, there's 36 governor seats, 30 lieutenant governor seats, 30 attorney general seats, 27 secretary of states, and then you have 88 of the country's 99 state legislative chambers that will be up. And so in the state legislative chambers, that's the House and the Senate. And it's a the number doesn't reflect because not every 
um, House and Senate in the states are on the same terms. So some are four years, some are two, and they alternate. And some and then you also have some that are odd years. So um, Louisiana, Mississippi, New Jersey, Virginia are all odd years and not on years. Um, but you have that many people who are running right now. Um, you mm. also, you know, for those who don't know, the last primary was this past Tuesday. So there's no more primary elections. Everything now we're looking at, and you'll see, will be on the general. So you're about to be bombarded with um, <laughs> calls, with texts, with emails, with yard signs. With I mean, there's going to be billions of dollars that are spent on the elections, but nobody's still focusing on the local. So you, it's it's imperative that we look at the full and down ballot. Like there's so much that's happening that there's this conversation versus, you know, states' rights versus federal rights. A lot of those things happen at the local level. And, and a lot of those races take place during the midterm race. And so it's imperative that we understand what's at stake and who's on the ballots, right? And, and how mm -hmm. these things are happening and shaping. And this will also be the first election prior, uh, following uh, redistricting. And so you have states that they lost house seats, right? Like nobody ever loses a U.S. Senate seat because it's based off of everybody having an equal representation. You have two senators, no matter how big or small your state is. But your house seats are based off of the representation taking place from the census that took place in 2020. And so because of COVID, you had a lot of people who were fighting to get that extended, which there were a few extensions. But you saw um, popular states lose seats. New York mm. lost a seat. California lost a seat. Texas gained a seat. Um, Florida gained a seat. Now, so if you're looking at this from conventional wisdom of like Republican versus Democrats, that's two Democratic seats lost to two Republican states, right? And so wherever you fall on the aisle, all of those things add up and matter. And you have to pay attention to really what's going on, but not only pay attention, but be really in tune and active on what's going on. Mm -hmm. Like, man, those, <laughs> I'm just sitting there thinking about the numbers you just dropped. Like that is an astounding number of people that are up for either election or re-election in some capacity this year. And it, it just nails home even harder the importance of midterm elections. Like there's so much more at stake than just waiting on every four years for a presidential election. Well, the, the, the real daunting fact in that, like of all of those numbers, there's so many pe some people who aren't even running with an opponent. There's cities and states mm. where it's just guaranteed that this particular party will win and the other party has conceded, right, for, for whatever. Like, and so you have people who don't even have proper representation because one party dominates in that area. And that's on both sides of the aisle. So we're really talking about, you can almost half that, right? Like as far mm. as what's going to be actually competitive, which is actually, it's, it's not good. It doesn't allow for proper things to take place because certain cities and states are dominated by one particular party and the minority voice, whatever that minority voice is, is not always heard and fully a part of the process, which is not how 
Well, I don't know what those founding fathers were thinking, but it's not how <laughs> we should be operating in a representative yeah. democracy. So I, I have to ask with so much, um, not information, but misinformation, you know, across social media and different apps and the internet, and in some instances, even actual news uh, stations, like how do people really find a, an, an avenue to research what the real issues are uh, for their respective states or cities um, and not get so wrapped up in, you know, the crazy commercials. And like I said, the misinformation that's out there, how do you find trustworthy sources to find out what the real topics and issues are that are affecting you or, or your geographic area? Oh, man. I mean, that's a, a, a great question. Um, and, you know, we, I think we first have to take a step back and break down misinformation versus disinformation, right? Like, and the mm. harm that 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 it causes, right? Um, I think disinformation is the easier one to to spot, and it actually doesn't cause as much harm. Um, disinformation is ones that are blatant lies, and they are used as red meat for either party's base, right? And it's meant to galvanize, and it's meant to. Um, either raise money or raise a profile, right? Like, and so it's it's something that you can just see that this ain't true. This ain't even it. It's the misinformation mm -hmm. that's killing people. That is literally killing people out there, right? Like, you will take a fact, and you know, numbers don't lie, but they can tell a story that you want to be told, right? And so, whereas it might be, you know, ninety percent of the people were in support of something they'll take it and flip it on his head and, you know, say only 10 people showed up to X, Y, Z. And so you have to really be careful as to how you're digesting your, your information. So one thing is always check your sources, right? Like see who is it, right? Like if it's something that's shared on a popular social media platform and there's nothing that links to it so you can find out what's actually taking place, Nine times out of ten, that was something that was misconstrued and was mis uh, uh, misinformation, and it didn't have the actual source, or they don't want it to have a source, right? When you're talking about issues for you as a person, as to what's going to be on your ballot or pertaining to you, um, Ballotpedia um, is actually a a great source um, to go and see what's going to actually be on your ballot, or looking going to your actual Secretary of State. Um, Vote.org allows you to actually pull up your ballot. But when we're talking about information, um, I don't know any other way to say it, but we just have to not be lazy, right? Like, don't take something at face value. So you're a sneakerhead, right? You understand mm -hmm. how the game works. Remember earlier this year when the reports were that um, Foot Locker was pulling all of its Nike shoes and no longer selling Nike and the stocks were crumbling and Nike, it was like, yes and no, right? Like mm -hmm. what was left out of the story was that Nike has been building and buying their own retail. And so they've been pulling from everybody and they make a greater profit by just selling at their own as opposed to dishing it out and having to pay holding fees and all of this stuff. But the story was, created as if Nike stocks was doing bad and Foot Locker and the partnership was dissolving. It's like, that's not the case at all. And that story trended yeah. for quite some time because of misinformation. Now, if it was disinformation, it would easily be dispelled. But 
there was figments of truth that was in there that allows it to live on, that allows somebody to see something, connect to it either emotionally or logically, whatever, however they connect to it and hit that share button without doing that necessary step of following up to see, is this real? What is my source? Who is my source? How credible is my source, right? Like, and so it's, it's doing a little extra legwork um, that requires us to know, you know, what it is that we want to intake. We do the legwork when we want a certain type of shoe, bag, clothes, car, something that, you know, means something to us. But because we think that politics doesn't have the direct hold on us or it's not so much tied to us, we kind of brush it off and be like, well, I'll just wait or I'll see who is talking the most or we just we don't give it the attention that it deserves, understanding the actual impact that it has on us day in and day out. I, I couldn't agree with that last sentiment. It like I, I couldn't agree with it more. It's so sometimes frustrating, you know, when when you see on social media people, you know, they have the oh, it doesn't affect me or oh, that doesn't pertain to my day to day life or oh, I'll just deal with it later. And I'm like, in the world we live in today, you don't know what your later is going to look like. You know, you need to get involved. You need to do your research and understand what's going on like right now. The craziest thing is the people who talk about certain things don't even realize the impact of their free speech and how mm -hmm. the government is fighting daily with all of these platforms as to how to regulate it. Right. And so mm -hmm. something as simple as what you get to tweet or post on social on Instagram or Facebook it's impacted by the people that are in office, right? Like as to where they are. Some people are for, you know, free regulation and many are not, right? Like they think that, you know, there's antitrust laws that are being violated, right? Like understanding that like, all of this has an impact on you in some way or another. You just haven't seen it, so you don't think that it is or you don't know how it impacts you because you're so far removed from it. Yeah, they it, like people don't understand the the totality of of voting and getting involved, and then it's not a problem until it's a problem. But by then, oftentimes it's too late. You know, you're sitting in court, or a person is facing a life sentence for something that they shouldn't be, or you know, damage has been done to a city's infrastructure, and people are like, "Well, why is nobody doing anything?" Well, actually, it was partially your job to do something two years or four years ago. <laughs> It's, you know. um, <laughs> I, I forgot, and I, I wish I could give the person the, the credit for the quote, but it's like, when you don't vote, that's you being a bad employer, right? Like, because mm -hmm. as a voter, you're putting that person in office, and by not engaging, you're allowing them to be a bad worker. And so the blame lies squarely on you because you have the right keep them there, remove them. You have an ability to go to their office, make complaint. You have complete control, right? Like whether you support it or not, there are recalls that take place in cities and states where the citizens are not happy with the people who are governing them. You have that right. If you, are, mm -hmm. you all are not happy, like, and so it's understanding what your rights are, but you have to first care. And, and that's the biggest thing. Like, and if you are so disengaged and I get it, right? Like the 
we don't um and i, I you know I, I shouldn't say this but there's truth to what mitt romney said in 2016 or 12 excuse me when he was talking they were talking about the 47 percent and you know it's only six percent that actually shows up or that you care about as far as the parties right like because they know that no matter what people are going there blindly and they will re vote republican and they will vote democrat most people are only concerned about that six percent and how to sway that if you looked at presidential elections they have not been overwhelming on either side if you look at competitive mm -hmm. races where the districts are close you're winning by a small margin i mean we're talking about a few hundred votes in some elections you're talking about 50 to 100 votes right it's because they know that it's only a certain amount of people that they have to target and that's the people that they're talking to the, the, and so if you have disengaged or let's say you are one that votes and all you do is vote party line you're you're no better than somebody who's not voting at all because you're not looking at the actual issues and seeing who will be the best person to represent you your community and the future that's coming behind you mm. Man, <laughs> that, that, that was a lot right there. Ladies and gentlemen, once again, this is the Successes Within Reach podcast, season three, episode 18. Your vote, your voice, your future. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Welcome back. Once again, I'm joined today by Mr. Emil Washington as we are talking about your vote, your voice, your future. All right. So um, you touched on it um, a little bit a few questions ago, but can you break down uh, gerrymandering for our audience? Why it's so prevalent and what other forms of uh, voter suppression are unfortunately becoming kind of like common practice across our country? Yeah, so gerrymandering is basically um, the drawing of a congressional district um, where it benefits overwhelmingly one party over the other. And so you've seen situations where, let's say you take a pie, a just a regular round pie, and instead of cutting that pie down the middle and into fours, you're like, mm, let's cut it this way so that these voters who I know will support me will vote for the candidates and the people that look like me. And then we're going to draw that one because there's a lot of people in that so we can have enough people there. And then this other part of it as a, and so you're making sure that one party gets always a, that particular representative in Congress um, or to represent you. And so what has happened over the last couple of years is actually courts have had to jump in and say this is blatantly illegal this is blatantly um voter suppression and discrimination and it's happened on both sides and so i want to be be mm -hmm. very clear about this this is not a um one-sided partisan issue both parties have done it and both parties have been shot in the foot by it right and so the most recent case of one who thought that they were being smart 
messed themselves up is New York, where I'm currently located. And they were trying to draw and, and X out uh, Republican districts. And the courts was like, no, you can't do this. And the court got in and drew the maps themselves. And it caused longstanding members of Congress to actually be pitted against each other in primaries. Mm. And so you also had other members of Congress who had to run in districts that they had no representation, they had no familiarity with and lost seats. And so, excuse me, it can easily backfire on you when you think that you're trying, especially in these very active courts that I will say in that part, the court did what it was supposed to do. It read the law as it is, and you're supposed to have proper representation based off of the state's population and based off of how you're drawing the districts. Now, that's one area. Now you've had, um, since 2020, the most active and aggressive laws of voter suppression, voter intimidation, um, where purging of roles, where um, in some states you're, you're now required to register in order to register people to vote. You used to be able to just go out, register somebody to vote, and turn in their uh, voter registration form. In some states now, you are required to get certified by the state. There's only certain places that you can register. There's only certain times that you can drop off the voter registration. Um, and some states actually require that um, if you are out in the public and you're registering people to vote, they have to be notified. I'm not notified, excuse me, notarized. And so that's a whole nother level adding into it. Then you have, of course, your states like Georgia, where they've made it illegal for you to pass out water and snacks to people who are waiting online to, to vote. And so it's a direct attack on um, what, what many would seem as progressive or liberal um, brown and black voters, honestly, if we're just going to call it what it is, right? Like it's targeted on urban areas. Um, you're seeing removal of voting precincts, voting sites. You have situations where some polls in states and cities supposed to open at 7. The people don't get there to 8.30 to open up the sites. Um, machines that are, are down or don't get sent over till the morning of. Like there's an all out assault on voting in this country, but it's only on specific groups of people that the assault is taking place. Um, and so right now you have two two court cases um, that are sitting at the Supreme Court for Alabama and Louisiana. Um, Louisiana used to have two actually uh, majority minority districts. Um, back when Louisiana lost its seat, it went from seven to six. Um, they, they were able to gerrymander and it's only one. The courts have ruled, even Louisiana courts have ruled that there should be a second majority minority seat. And the appeals court in Louisiana said that that should have taken place in this election. The Supreme Court, being the Supreme Court what it is, decided to put a stay on it. Now, that has a huge impact because you've now taken away the opportunity for another uh, potential, for this particular issue, possibly a Democratic um, member of Congress, which has huge implications when you're thinking about how many seats and the margin of error for who's going to control the House. Alab they say that they want to wait on Alabama, and so the court for Alabama is not being heard until October 
understanding that the race is not going to happen until November. So it's it's a slow ball. But if that takes mm-hmm. place and Alabama is granted their second majority minority, then Louisiana will also be granted their second majority minority. The challenge is if the Supreme Court denies it, that's the highest court in the land. You're you're back at square one and you have to rely on the actual state legislator to come back and redraw or say that they will do it. And so it's a, it's a lot. It's, I know that was a lot to, to throw at you, but it's man, it's an all out war and assault on on voters in this country who vote a particular way and look, have a particular color. Mm-hmm. And like, ladies and gentlemen, I just want you to understand everything that he just said is why so many people get frustrated when you say things like voting doesn't matter. If voting does, didn't matter, you wouldn't have people fighting this hard to rig the game. You know, if, if voting didn't matter, you wouldn't have, like he said, an, pretty much an all out assault on voting, you know, and on, and on voters' rights. Like, it does matter, no matter how big or how small you think your one vote may be. It obviously matters because they are going through leaps and bounds. I mean, you can't even pass out food and water to people waiting in line. Like, how petty is that? You know, like, <laughs> It's yeah, I don't I don't even have words for it. I really don't. Man, oh man. Yeah, like I, I remember when I first heard that and I was like, this has to be one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard. But considering the source, I, I won't give them the respect of saying their name. I, I said I could see him doing that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? I mean, and it's it's crazy and and to say that it's not a concerted effort would just be a flat out lie, right? Like souls to the polls is something that people are known to do in black communities. And so they've limited the early voting days on Sundays, right? Like you used to have more mm-hmm. Sunday dates. So they, in states, they're going away taking that, like, and so it's very intentional about what they're doing. And so we have to be diligent in, in ensuring that people understand the challenge is right. Like, I don't think that we've ever had a time um, in modern history where people have been so politically engaged and not in the sense of actively engaged, but engaged in how much they're consuming. And so people are overwhelmed. They're exhausted. Mm-hmm. They, they feel like they're voting too much. And that's because we don't understand why so many elections are not um, at the same time. But that's another reason for voter uh disenfranchisement right like because if you put everything on one day if you made it a holiday and then you ensured that all the elections happen at the same time you would see the necessary participation that we want but we don't want to see that participation because that limits the power of a lot of people and so if you space Mm -hmm. it out it benefits certain groups it benefits incumbents right because if you don't want somebody who is a young whippersnapper coming up and, you know, they can come in and still votes. You want to make sure that your base always engages. It's hard for a new person to come in if they don't already have a base and rile up the troops. And so it's very intentional that your local elections are not on the same day as your state and federal and all of these things don't coincide. Mm -hmm. So uh, I want to share, a little bit to a topic that has been a ridiculously 
um, I want to say critical, crucial um, topic in this country, which is women's reproductive rights. Um, and I want to ask you, um, as of recent, why do you think that their rights have become uh, under political attack? And it's been such a, a crucial topic over this past year or so. Um, it seems like unlike any other time in history in the past, I say two or three decades, uh, maybe. And with the overturning of Roe v. Wade, like just what is at stake with this upcoming election for women's rights? Everything, honestly, right? Um, uh, as far as what's at stake, the the depending on who's in in power, right? Like, I mean. I've, I've intentionally never seen Handmaid's Tale because it looks too real. And I don't, I just, I, it scares me, right? Like, because you see things that where, you know, art imitates life, but that's art coming to, to real life. Um, we didn't get here overnight though, right? This was a, a very meticulous and planned effort since the 60s that has mm -hmm. been taking place. And it really started in the evangelical church as to how they were positioning people in power, how they were positioning churches, how they were galvanizing and organizing around this one particular issue. Why this issue? I have no idea. There's a lot of conspiracy theories that we could throw out there. I'm not going to waste our time on that. Um, mm -hmm. But it doesn't make sense, right? It really doesn't make any sense, any logical sense. Um, but but we're for those who support this issue, we're losing. And we, we lost a long time ago when honestly, um, from a messaging battle. And this is what I will say that um, those who are in uh, on the pro-life in the sense of like all life, pro-life, they've weaponized uh, reproductive rights and made it all about abortion and not understanding that reproductive rights is just women's health. And those on the, the progressive left or whatever didn't do enough to frame the conversation. We honed in on abortion, which many <clears throat> people don't necessarily view abortion the same way they view health, right? And but it is a, a health issue, right? Like I have friends who had to have late term abortions because the baby was not alive and coming out and there was damages and it would have killed both, right? And so understanding the impact and how, and that messaging has not been done, um, it's not taken place. And we have many people who have lost, um, lost lives, right? Like this is, a life or death situation, but we've made it all about um, life that has not gotten here, but at the same time, we've not created any spaces for how to support the life when it gets here. We've not made mm -hmm. um, you know paid family leave mandatory. We've not created spaces for all of the children who are in foster care and you know all of the, the children who are in shelters, right? Like we have not done the things for mothers who have gone and had the babies and still don't have the necessary resources. So to, to say that this is about life is just a lie. This is about control. 
but I don't understand what the control is, right? And so it's mm. on the ballot, right? Like whether you see states like Kansas that actually voted on it in their primary um, and was shocked by the um, overwhelmingly amount of people who were in favor of pro-choice and letting women have the right to do with their bodies as they see fit, it's gonna be on the ballot based off of the candidates that are running who will be in positions to pass laws or who will be in positions to ensure that the laws that are on the books um, in certain states that are just waiting, because some states have clauses that after a certain amount of time, abortion laws will come into. Some clauses were immediate, right? And some clauses mm -hmm. were 90 days, 100 days. Some clauses were after something else um, that took place or another election. So it's understanding what the next steps are, but abortion is one of the top things that are that are on the uh, this particular election cycle um, are reproductive rights um, and, and women's health. But the challenge is it's not being framed in a way for people to understand that it's not just this singular particular part of women's health in the abortion, right? Like that's not the only thing that we're talking about. We are actually talking about the care of the body and the womb and how it impacts um, a woman. And, you know, I hope I'm doing uh, justice. I am not a woman. I've never been a woman. I don't identify. I don't have any of those physical traits. Um, I can't even imagine the harm and the hurt and the psychological impact that this has had on many people. Um, but it's, it's, it's just a, it's, it's a shame. And um, we have to be conscious of how um, and what's going on, right? Like Lindsey Graham uh, proposed a bill for a 15 week ban. Um, but the reality is a lot of women don't find out until 16 to 20 weeks, right? Like, so because you don't understand science and you're speaking from whatever this emotional attachment is, are these alleged Christian values, right? Um, you're going off of and making decisions about something that has no bearings on you. And so, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I don't know. I went on a tangent. It's it's because it's it's just it's sad. Um, that's the the easiest way to to frame it, right? Like it's it's something that that really shouldn't be taking place, and there's no real justification for it. But I need us to understand this did not happen overnight. And the people that we're putting in office now are allowing to come in office now, it's only going to snowball as to the amount of personal and individual rights that will be taken away from us. And at the end of the day, if you can't understand what's happening, realize that guns have more rights than a woman's body. And this is by the Supreme Court. That is what they decided. Yeah. yeah. I, I, and I mean... Ugh. The topic was already frustrating in itself, but that that last statement right there is it, just completely disgusting. You know, when you think about they're more important, uh, they put more importance, you know, on on gun owners' rights than a woman's choice to um, pretty much attend to her own health. Like you said, it's it's not even an abortion topic; it's a women's health topic. Um, and it's it's been it's been pretty eye opening, you know, to see 
the level of disdain and in, in a lot of cases, I'll just call it what it is, sheer ignorance um, over the past year. Um, and I don't know, I, I'm in the same boat with you. I don't know where it stems from for some, you know, because it's like this doesn't even pertain to you, you know, and some people go so hard against it and, and trying to take it away. And I'm like, so you don't care about your daughter, you don't care about your granddaughters, your w wife, you know, in some cases, your own mother, your sister, like, it, it's, it's just baffling, you know, it's, it's absolutely baffling. But I wanted to make sure that we covered that topic, because, you know, there are those of us that understand just what you said, it's a health issue. It's, it's not just about abortion, like it, there's this puzzle is so much bigger than that one piece. You know, and I, I need people to understand the importance of, like you said, everything is on the line for, for millions of women in this particular election that's coming up. And I need people to understand the importance of going out, support your mother, support your wife, support your sisters, support your daughters, support the daughters that you may have in the future. Like, this is a human right issue. This isn't just a values issue. You know, some people try to make it religious, which I think is absolutely garbage um you know but this is a human rights issue this is a women's rights issue so it's, it's so much bigger than politics so I'm, I'm i'm glad that you put it the way you did i think that's well articulated thank you sir i just um i i just wish i could like we can attribute it to something and make it make sense but it, it can't it doesn't make sense it, it really doesn't because there are other things um that are completely contradictory to the beliefs that they are expressing. Mm -hmm. All right, so I want to ask you um, from a strategist perspective, um, you know, with so much emphasis on student loans and reproductive rights, um, <laughs> the roller coaster that is our economy, and <laughs> I'm almost scared to say it on the air, but the the misunderstanding, misinformation, or as you said, disinformation surrounding CRT. Uh, what do you think this administration needs to do to keep its voter base engaged and even willing to show up in November? Um, well, so if we're talking about this particular administration, right? Um, messaging, messaging is still not taking place. Um, if we're talking about the voter base of younger people, right? Or if we're talking about the voter base of minorities, the messaging is still geared toward this centrist white male or this working class white female, right? And that's not the base. <laughs> that mm -hmm. I don't know any other way to put it, right? Like that is not your base. Some of these white men will never support you and a lot of white women will continue to disappoint you, but you yet to run up the score where you are most valuable because for some reason it's not clicking, right? And so people don't understand nothing that you just passed with this inflation rate, like break it down, make it make sense. But we haven't even talked about gas prices have gone down Nobody's talking about that mm -hmm. anymore, right? Like you have, I think you have to make things very clear and and plain. Um, and you know, we talked about the the ten thousand dollars or the twenty thousand dollars for for the Pell Grant. The rollout with that, the hemming and hawing, as the old people say, is what is making you lose so much. 
had you just decided back in January or May, because you keep deferring the loans, to just do this, it wouldn't be a talking point so close to election. The news cycles would have passed. But you put yourself in this position by waiting so late, thinking that it was going to give you such a boost, understanding that people are always going to be mad about you doing something for the least of them, right? And mm-hmm. so it's just, I, I just wish that they would take a step back and actually be um, intentional about who they're trying to target and and why. CRT, call it for what it is, racism. Call it out, mm-hmm. be very blatant about it, and and don't ignore it. Stop trying to pacify and and, you know, accommodate certain people there's a group that is very much they want to go back to the boston tea party they want to put people back on you know in chains like there there's a america that they have a vision for and Mm. we are not in it unless we are working in fields right like and so it's a, a part of erasing what america actually did do history is what it is right like you can't mm-hmm. romanticize and make something seem like it was different than what it was the facts are the facts and so i think what this administration should really be focused on is one i wouldn't even acknowledge or address crt that's not on the ballot that was on the ballot um you know last year and part of 2020 i wouldn't say that this is a, a major issue right now I think the the issues that they need to be addressing and, and figuring out how to um, message will be around crime because um, on the other side, they are losing with bad candidates. So they're going to start ramping up the scare tactics about how the country is losing and crime is rising and rampant and all of these things to rile up their, their base, not understanding or not um, looking at the wins that take that have taken place. Crime is going to be mm-hmm. what crime is because people need food, water, shelter, like basic needs. People are hungry. People are starving. And we've not addressed those core issues. I'm not justifying it. Those are just facts, right? Like if you don't look at what actually is the root cause of the issue, then the issue will continue to be prevalent. And so for this administration, I would say focus on your base, right? Like Make sure that they understand what the wins are in their communities and how it actually matters. If you continue to talk above them or around them, you will find yourself out of a lot of jobs come November 9th. Now, mm-hmm. the numbers are, are, I don't know. I don't know if you can even believe the numbers. Um, the numbers have lied to us many times before as far as poll numbers, but uh the bleeding that the House was expected to take place um, has has kind of dried up. And the Senate looks like it actually may gain or seat or two in favor of uh, the Democrats. But things can change because you don't know what people are going to do once they get inside um, the ballot box. Mm-hmm. And do you believe that um, in this upcoming election, there's one uh, particular demographic that has the most at stake in this election, or do you feel like as a country we're just all in danger <laughs> with this um, upcoming I mean, election? I, no, it's it's definitely the eighteen to twenty five has the most at stake, um, and mm-hmm. you know I think I talked about this the last time. Like I am in support of term limits. 
Um, and I don't believe that we can continue to be a country that is governed, ruled, and run by people in their 70s and 80s, making rules for people who are going to follow behind them. And so that 18 to 25, like that's most at stake because you are going to have judges and, um, you know, attorney generals and secretary of states and sheriffs and police chiefs, all of these people who are going to be as you are matriculating out of college and going into your adult, like passing laws and creating spaces and, you know, looking at what the workforce is going to be about. And so, again, that group continues to not be as engaged in voting. They don't see mm. the necessary like immediate um, impact, but you have to look at the long game. And and that mm. I think is is going to be the, the group that is impacted the, the most. This is going to be, you know, those who are, they were finishing um, college during COVID or they were finishing high school during COVID right now. And so they're going into um, election cycles in what the world, quote unquote, used to look like. And it, it can be jarring or it's going to be jarring, um, especially if you're allowing people um, into office who don't have your particular ideas or belief as to what this country should be or has the potential to be. And so I would say that that, that one has the most, I mean, but you're going to see the, the most engaged will continue to be, um, you know, that boomer generation. Mm -hmm. 18 to 25 get it together. <laughs> I mean, it's it's like get it together, but at the same time you we are not creating candidates that are enticing to them, right? Like we're not we've not created a space that allows them or engages them or says and shows they are part of this process and that we want to listen to them, right? And so it's like you tell me that you want me to do this, but at the same time you're showing me I have no space over here. So it's like what am I supposed to do and how am I supposed to feel as if I'm fully a part of this process when everything is telling me to, uh, you know, shut up and dribble or hurry up and wait. Right. Mm -hmm. So to that, I say the millennial group, you know, um, on, on up, it's our job to properly educate and reach back for the younger generations to show them the importance of voting, the importance of even registering to vote. Um, matter of fact, let's push it back further than that. The importance of even filling out the census, um, you know, the, the little things that later turn into big things. It's our job because, like you said, each each um, political candidate, they, they have their own agenda and, and maybe they're not doing the best job in getting the messaging through to the younger generations, but we can't afford to have a whole generation sit out and wait until they get into their 30s and see the significance of voting. So we have to do a better job at, at reaching back and getting everybody involved. And we, we fail. We fail constantly at it. And, and part of it is, I can tell you right now, if you are listening and you want to go and have a conversation with someone young, and talk about the people that died for them to vote, you've lost already. They don't care it because it's not impactful, right? Like you mm -hmm. have to figure out what is it that, excuse me, that connects to them, right? Like they are still people and we have to reach and meet people where they are, not preach and try to shame anybody into doing something because it's important to us. You have to figure out why it should or would be important to them. 
Mm-hmm. Definitely agree with that. So uh, before we wrap up, I want to give you a chance to share your experiences uh, with the Woke Vote organization um, and also let us know any other organizations that you're currently collaborating with. Um, so Woke Vote um, is an amazing organization. Uh, the last couple of years, we've actually been more rapid response than anything. So I recently just got back from um, Jackson, Mississippi, where uh, we were on the ground distributing uh, water to the citizens who are, you know, dealing with the water crisis. Um, and, you know, for those who don't know their um, plant that, uh, you know, cleans up the water uh, when out broke, whatever, however you want to define it. Um, and it created a water crisis where they're running water, they're clean water, their water for them to take showers, brush their teeth, wash their hands, cook wood um, was basically sludge. It was not something that should be put mm -hmm. into anybody's body. Um, and, it was a massive failure on on all parties, right? Local, state, and federal, if you're gonna be honest with it. Um, but the thing is, it was only for Jackson, Mississippi, which is 80% black. Mm -hmm. Again, only Jackson, Mississippi, 80% black. The outskirts of Jackson was perfectly fine. Madison, Richland, like it's crazy, right? And so, um, but at the end of the day, the people need the water, right? Like it's a it's a basic human right. It's, it's dignity to be able to clean yourself. So we went down there um, and uh, with our partners um, and was able to distribute. I think about um, you know twelve to fifteen hundred cases to like six to seven hundred families, which included seniors, um, those in housing facilities, even donating to businesses who need to cook. Um, we dropped off water to students at Tougaloo and Jackson State, um, and you know. That sounds like a lot, but it doesn't do anything. That water probably is already gone, you know, and we did that on Sunday because how much we consume, especially in this country, um, water. So um, I, I appreciate the work that they do, not only in the electoral space, but understanding that elections is not the only time that our people need us. And so Woke Vote has been very engaged in creating fellowships and creating um, outreach and being there when the community calls on us um, and we do a lot of work with Until Freedom, um, which is Tamika Mallory's organization, her, Linda Sassor, um, Angelo Pinto, and uh, my son Lennon um, as their co-founders. And they are definitely rapid response, right? Like they've gone on and moved into communities to help um, further causes and issues. Um, they are planning to move to Kentucky around the, the gubernatorial race and um, they were very instrumental in keeping the limelight on Breonna Taylor. Um, and, you know, so those are, are, are two of the main. And then, of course, we do a lot of work with um, when we all vote as they are a national organization, nonpartisan on <clears throat> just ensuring people um, to vote. So if you are looking to get engaged in this particular election and um, you don't necessarily want to vote for a candidate, poll watchers are needed, right? Like people who are actually at the poll that, that help and make sure um, that the election is fair. You can go through them and sign up so that you can be reg become registered to actually go and be at the polls and help and make sure that people know where their polling machines are, their ballots and know and get that all taken place. Um, and it has now become a very partisan thing because, you know, poll watchers can kind of um, disqualify voters um, or say, give them um, 
let's say that they can't find you on the road, poll watchers are people who make sure that you actually have the right to vote so you can ask for a, um, I had the word, I just had the word, it will not come to me, um, provisional ballot, right? And so a provisional ballot is still counted because they are able to go and check your name on the, the roll and make sure. And so we just want people to fully be engaged in this process, right? Like this is a process that is supposed to be representative of, of all and not a select few. And so I challenge all of you to, to figure out a way to be engaged. If there's a candidate that you actually do support, see if they need some help knocking on some doors, make some phone calls. Um, you still have, check your state, you still have time to register people to vote. Just figure out what the laws are in your particular state. Every state's secretary of state website will have their very specific laws as to what they, you can and cannot do when registering someone to vote. There's no reason to not be engaged in this particular election, right? Like we talk about every election is the most important one, yada, yada, yada. This one is, and for women, it absolutely is because if certain people get in office Come November 9th, when they actually take office in January, that first Tuesday, you will see a slew of laws that are passed that are going to be very restrictive of your basic rights. And so I just want to make sure we're clear as to what's at stake um, for this particular election. Mm, mm, mm. Man, oh, man. People, we need not anybody but everybody to show up this November. Um <laughs> like it's it's crazy. I'm almost nervous about this election year because election day falls on my birthday. And the last time it did, America voted in what I think is the worst president in history. So I'm, I'm <laughs> like, I'm, I'm damn near nervous about it being on my birthday again this year. Well, you're, you're, you're old to do over. <laughs> I swear, man. Man, y'all owe me America. Y'all owe me. All right. Uh, before we get out of here, I asked you for a few uh, websites where people can go and get great information um, about registering, about voting, about ballots, and about getting involved. Uh, so can you just cover the three that I have going across the bottom of the screen real quick? Yeah. So so vote.org allows you to actually go and register the vote. Um, it allows you to see where your polling location is um, and change your party affiliation if you so choose. Um, WokeVote.us is the organization that um, I do a lot of work with, and we um, have opportunities for people to engage and, you know, feel free to donate for the work that we're doing. Um, and When We All Vote is uh, former First Lady Michelle Obama's nonpartisan organization. Um, and there you can also engage. Um, you can sign up to be a part of the uh, National Voter Registration uh, Day. Um, you can also find out ways to be um, poll workers and poll watchers um, and just all around get engaged around actual voting in your local community. Awesome. Awesome. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are at the part of the show where I leave you with this week's mind shift moment. Um, but I, I feel like this week I, I shouldn't even show a clip. Like I just need everybody to really understand all of the vital information that email shared with us on this episode like voting it's not a, a privilege it's, it's not just a privilege it's a right it's something that is essential it is your vote it is your voice it is a gateway to what your future will look like you know we're not just talking about putting someone in an office we're talking about um 
the courts, the judges, we're talking about sentences, we're talking about your roads being fixed, we're talking about funds uh, allocated to your, your child's school, we're talking about your um, legal rights, your health rights, you know, it, it is so much that is involved with every single election and every single vote. You can't afford not to, you know, like there's no such thing as this election or this vote or this candidate doesn't affect my life or doesn't affect my family or my day to day operations. It absolutely does. Local elections are just as important as state elections, which are just as important as federal elections. You have to get involved and do your part. It's so much bigger than just people fought and marched and died for your um, privilege and, and your right and your ability to vote. It's so much bigger than that. But that in itself should get you up and out. You know, I don't care if it's raining. I don't care if where you are is snowing. I don't care if it's bright and sunny. Get up, get out, do your part and go and vote. And that's what I leave you with for this week's Mind Shift moment. I want to thank my guest once again, Mr. Emil Washington. Thank you, sir, for joining us, dropping so many, so many gems on us. Thank you again for having me. I always appreciate it. And anytime you call, I'm, I'm do my best to be available. I appreciate it, sir. Once again, I'm your host, Shannon Smith. You can find me on Instagram at the underscore CEO underscore within. Uh, you can contact my consulting firm, the CEO within you at www.theceowithinyou.com, uh, where we provide innovative solutions to emerging businesses, uh, focusing on leadership, branding, and operational efficiency. And as always, you can catch me here Thursday on the Successes Within Reach podcast, where I remind you, you are not designed to be good. You are designed to be great. Stay safe, and I'll see you next week. Thank you.